We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up and welcome in to the latest edition of the OBR Film Breakdown and one that took a real stark change from yesterday's show, which if you were listening, it was Andrew Spade and I being quite, I would say quite positive, uh, optimistic, in a good mood about where the team was going, what it was doing. And the mailbag was littered with great questions and it was just an all around positive vibe show. And we promised at the end of it that there were more of them coming only to wake up to today's news, which we will get to in just a bit. It's myself, it's Andrew Spade, it's Jordan Zerm. We're all here to talk about Deshaun Watson and the news that sort of blindsided everybody today. Before we do, though, I want to update you on the latest injury report that is out there, which includes the following names as names to be paying attention to for the week. All right. So uh, names that are on there that are not rest involved, uh, just again, to pay attention to whether they play. So uh, Marquise Goodwin's still dealing with the concussion. He's on the DMP list. Dewan Jones lost. I think, Andrew, he had, uh, was it a shoulder or elbow designation on top of the knee? It seems like it's just the knee that is causing some issues here. So he is listed as a DMP still, which is very noteworthy for the quarterback situation to come here. And then we have, uh, a, a, looks like the next name that matters here from a did not practice perspective is Wyatt Teller with the ankle, uh, which we did not hear much about an ankle for him. So this is a little bit on the new side. And then Juan Thornhill did not practice. Um, Denzel Ward with the neck is is back at practice. Alex Wright with a knee uh, is limited. Okoronkwo limited with a groin. And Newsom is limited with the groin as well. David Bell's coming back. Yeah, David Bell with a limited status. And then Michael Dunn, uh, full practice too with coming off the IR. So a lot of names that we did expect. I think Wyatt Teller's one that we didn't, and we kind of were starting to hope. It's not to say that Dewan Jones is guaranteed to be out, but it does look like it's going to be an uphill battle for him to play. So, uh, you know, just those injuries, Andrew, it looks it's lengthy because of the rest guys, but I don't think anything too far out of the order. And I, I get the vibe Wyatt Teller is going to be fine, just maybe being precautious with the – uh you know, with it, with the ankle, we'll see about that one on the Steelers side, Deontay Johnson didn't practice with a thumb designation. 
Uh, looks like uh, Keanu Neal, their safety, who could be a part of their linebacker solution with a rib issue, didn't practice. Minka Fitzpatrick, hamstring, didn't practice. On Travis Adams with the ankle, he still didn't practice. And then Cam Hayward with the groin didn't practice, but he's been kind of on that rest angle as well coming back. So he should be playing. But Pat Fryermuth from the hamstring, being activated from the IR, he was limited as well. So those are the names to pay attention to for the Steelers. And, you know, I would say, Andrew, this is not the worst case from non-quarterback. I think the Browns have a chance to get some guys back here that are important to the operation, encouraged obviously by Denzel Ward because they're going to need their defense to be really good. But the Teller things, uh, obviously something we're paying close attention to, the Thornhill calf, close attention to that one, and then Dewan Jones, right? Those are the big ones that that are ringing a bell here. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think uh, Dewan is is first with a bullet because I, I feel okay about things with Garan Christian at left tackle and – Dewan Jones at right tackle, given how, you know, I think Garan definitely was probably a, a, about a one-for-one one replacement with Jed Wills in terms of, you know, the pressures he gave up, how he blocked, that sort of thing. At least this week. Right, for a one-week sample. And I know that the, the Ravens mm-hmm. don't have nearly as much pass rush talent as the Steelers do. But I was encouraged, I'll say that. Yeah, me too. It's also me nice too. to have options, right? And so if you have two options of Hudson or Christian to fill one spot, that's better than basically being forced into a place where you have no options. I just think they really need Dewan Jones back because um, he's very good. And it would be nice when you've got Highsmith and Watt, it would be nice to be able to, as I said last week, focus your help on one side. Uh, They made it through one game. That was with Watson playing really, really well. I'm less optimistic that they will make it through two games where, uh, you know, they're, they're having to make up for two tackles being missing. Okay, we have to shift to the big news, which uh, obviously calls for some instant reaction. So, you know, the Browns have this way of letting the beat guys on staff know that news is coming. To prepare yourself to write something, they have a guy on their communications department, shoots out a text, news is coming, prepare yourself. And we were informed of that in our Slack. And, you know, we thought maybe like an extension was coming or... There was something maybe Andrew Barry and Kevin could get some sort of contract extension too, and then I think we only a source, suggested positive things. Sorry to inter- interject, but I think yes. we only suggested positive things. <laughs> yeah, which is where we are at this point in the morning. We were still very positive, and then we had somebody on staff who had let us know that he had heard from somebody who mattered that there was a Deshaun Watson injury coming that was going to cancel his season. To which I immediately laughed, like, okay. I guess like it felt like the ankle was being downplayed. So I'm like, all right, I like his ankle. Is it that serious that it's going to cancel the rest of his season? And then uh, we're told it's a shoulder. And then not two, three minutes later, Schefter and the gang, everybody out there, I think the Browns actually released it first. And then all the insiders said something as well. And I, I'm, (laughs) I think it's the most surprised I've been by Brown's news since they made the decision to trade for him. And he chose to come to Cleveland. I was, not expecting that in the slightest. So, yeah, I, I guess I'll turn it to you guys. I, I just I couldn't really believe that. And it's honestly like the timing of it, him putting together 14 straight completions and kind of feeling like there was a, a version of Deshaun that was going to be playing winning football into the future here at a defensive time that was peaking. It's still currently peaking uh, with an offense that's getting better. You were 
pretty optimistic guys. And this was one of the bigger gut punches I can recall here. So, uh, you know, I'll throw it to you, Andrew, if you have some immediate reaction you want to talk about, but yeah, this is a weird, this is a weird one to discuss and there's just so many moving parts tied to it. Yeah. You're right. in bringing up the, uh, trade for Watson because it, it is the same sort of seismic news, right? Um, it's obviously a lot more immediate because that, that happened in March and you've got another six months before the team's even on the field. Plus there was the suspension stuff looming. And so you didn't know when you were actually going to see the payoff. Um, well, you know, we just really started to see the payoff in Baltimore and now the dude's hurt. So, um, it, it's just, it's the exact, it's in a lot of ways, the exact inverse of, of emotion, because you're just, you're just thinking about what could have been. And it's hard not to feel, I think the, the temptation is to feel completely hopeless, right? Where where you think that this really ruins the whole party. And, you know, what I've been trying to resist is is feeling like things are entirely hopeless and trying instead to have like a little bit more balance and think about, you know, that the, the team has for the most part gotten to where they are without stellar quarterback play. So having said that, when it first broke this morning, I, I think there was a there was a while where I was pretty much only convinced that things were going to be you know a doomsday scenario. Over to you, Jordan. Yeah, it's uh, it was weird for me this morning because obviously being uh, on the West Coast, I was way way behind the news. I think I was two or three hours behind the news when I woke up around. Yeah, seven thirty eight a.m. Uh, Pacific time, and had a lot of texts, uh, including from uh, both of you guys in our in our group chat. Um, had one from my brother, had one from my dad, had one from lots of people, and a, a couple of them that I got didn't say anything. That it was Deshaun. It just said like, "Don't." <laughs> just basically said like, "Don't go online." I was like, "Well, I'm gonna go." I mean, it's my job to go online, so I'm gonna go online. Um, so I think that has, I, I feel very, like, I feel almost a little numb because like my dad, I think my dad's text said, you know, what a, what a gut punch, uh, you know, this franchise really might be cursed. And I have felt that way about a lot of things over my time as a Browns fan since 1999. Um, I think part of it is because of what we've already gone through with Deshaun this season, where we have gotten such small glimmers of hope from him and then instantly had that rug pulled out from under us. I think the cruelest part of all of this is that both of his shoulder things have happened right after a game where it looked like the offense was about to take off. Um, I think there, that's a very specific cruelty in that, <laughs> in that what we saw in the second half of that Ravens game, especially that final drive and him, doing the types of things that you're paying money for him to do, whether it's, you know, completing a second and 19, whether it's that scramble that looked like he was about to get tackled for a one yard gain, he turns it into a 15 yard run. Like he started doing some stuff where you're like, okay, he's, he's the reps are getting him back to where he needs to be. Um, And so Jake, to your point, yeah, it's like, it's very, it, it was very wild because it's like he, those throws that he made, those were big time throws. Those weren't like little five yard checkdowns. I mean, he's pushing the ball down the field uh, for some really big first downs, especially just all second half. And for him to be doing that with the injury that he had is uh, makes it even more shocking. I, I will say I've hesitated. I didn't want to tweet any of this because I just had no interest in sort of dealing with mentions and stuff like that. I, 
I think the other part of the reason why I sort of am like, I mean, it, it objectively sucks. Like their offense to me now, and we, we will talk about this is, pr- is probably not Super Bowl winning caliber. Even if the defense is playing at the highest level, you never say never. And, and who knows what DTR will look like, but like it, that to me, the biggest part of it is like, man, if they could have just done some of the things Deshaun was doing in that second half, this offense can do enough to get them, to get them there and to be competitive. Like I, I genuinely fully believe that. Um, so that's tough. I have always found it, and this doesn't have to be a big conversation about this because we've you know, done this ad nauseum. I have always found it, no, no matter how far the season has gone and how far removed we are from the just Deshaun off-field stuff, it has always been a little weird for me still going through the season to really put my full energy into being like, hell yeah, Deshaun, let's go. Like I've just never fully been able to, as just speaking from a fan perspective, um, it's been a very different experience as I'm sure it has been both for you guys and a lot of fans who have felt conflicted about the Deshaun thing since it happened. So I think part of me never fully connected in that way. And this isn't like, Oh, I'm pumped about DTR, uh, but it is something where it's like, I feel it's easier to connect to the team with maybe DTR playing quarterback, despite maybe the results not, are not going to be the same. So there's, I've dealt with that confliction all season long. And I think that is part of the reason why maybe just because of the timing and I was already behind and I was just like, well, (laughs) like everybody's had their reactions, but it didn't quite hit me in the same disappointing way as maybe some of the other, like a Josh Gordon being suspended when it felt like the Browns were getting ready to take off type of thing. I don't know. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at. I think like it objectively sucks. It does but it didn't quite hit me in the same way as some past really. And we've had a lot of bad news as Browns fan. Um, And I've tried to find a way to articulate that. This is really kind of the first time I've done it today, but I think, yeah, we'll, we'll just see. Um, It's, it's a lot to take in. I think it's just a lot to process. I think it is in, in terms of surprising news, Jake, to your point, it's way, way up there because of how he looked in the second half. Yeah. I think the surprise element, maybe not the fallout ramifications to your point. That's good perspective, Jordan, that, um, you know, just like, again, just, I didn't expect, even when the Watson thing was, you know, in the, in the place that it was last year, when you heard that he eliminated Cleveland and then he decided to go Cleveland, that was like, I, I literally remember sitting in my computer, like, oh my God, like, like just audibly talking to myself in amazement and the kind of the same thing today in a sense of just more, more like annoyance, right. Than anything else about the one step forward, one step back stuff. I do want to, a couple things, actually. I think it's funny you, you mentioned the, you know, texting you early because Andrew kind of said something when I texted you. We'll give Jordan a little bit of time to wake up. It reminds me of being a parent and waking up at like five forty-five or six a.m. and like finding good memes or good jokes. And I'm like, ah, man, I can't send these to my to my to my normal friends who don't have kids that wake them up at six in the morning. So uh, yeah, I, I had to look at my phone. It was like ten fifteen when I texted. I'm like, ah, man, seven a.m. out there. He's probably not awake. So I felt pretty bad about that. But that's uh. You know, it's it's the price you pay as a left coaster. I I think you got to take the tax every now and again. So we'll uh, we'll hope Jordan can can handle that. And a small flex on the number of text messages too. I, I don't think we didn't pick up on that. Yeah, like it's not. I don't want to <laughs> brag about family members texting me, but it's like you know, wow, it's cool. My dad texts me and my brother texts me. I don't want to brag about. I have it. to think they there's do, also so. a connection between every dad's text to their son. Like the way those texts are framed. <laughs> it's funny. I have a story about that. Yeah. We're trying to just kind of push through the somberness of this. 
I was uh, back in the day coaching and the Browns traded Trent Richardson and we're walking in and I saw the news and I told the guys I was with, I'm like, I'm going to get to my phone and my dad's going to have called and left a voicemail saying, what the hell are they doing? And that's exactly what he got. That's exactly the, exactly the voicemail I received, even though it was obviously a pretty great trade, but people still thought Trent Richardson was good coming off of his rookie year, et cetera, et cetera. All the dads text to their son, you know, with maybe the big whelp or, you know, it's over now, you know, it's all the same. It's kind of funny, funny in that sense. But before we move forward though, I want, when I get did, kind of, did what you not want to hear my dad's text to me? Oh God. Yeah, I do. I didn't know if you wanted to share. I've been open to sharing a lot of things lately. Yeah, we, this is, um, this is dad text hour. So everybody share the text they got from their dads today. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, cause I, I, I think what you're saying is exactly right. Jake is that everybody's, it's a different perspective from everybody. Right. So, yeah. uh, my, my dad went with, uh, sure wish the Browns would have traded for a quarterback. <laughs> So. My my uh mine was damn the Browns can't catch a break. Yep. There you Jordan, go. What's yours? Go ahead and share. We're out. We're out in the open. And mine was yeah. Mine was uh mine was uh, maybe this franchise really is cursed. So that's a three. That's a full. <laughs> so, so good. That's a triple crown so of good. dad text right there. Yeah. yeah. Can't be more than a sentence. It's always got to be under under one sentence. Anyway, okay. So before we talk about the future, because I think that's what's sitting out here when you consider Watts, and we're obviously going to talk about this year and the expectations tied to it. But I did want to pinpoint what jesse uh, i think it's jesse morse talked about here who's a doctor on twitter you know take that as a as a fish he, he's got the coat and everything so he looks the part stay at holiday express whatever whatever he speaks the language he called um what he's been uh, informed about this is a right glenoid fracture hopefully i'm saying that right g-l-e-n-o-i-d uh watson suffered a rare glenoid fracture in his throwing shoulder less than one percent of all fractures those fractures to the glenoid make up 35% of scapula fractures. The shoulder is a ball and socket joint. The socket is the glenoid, what we call the rim of that thing. I'm trying to kind of make sure I don't go too deep into the weeds here. Uh, what Watson suffered is a displaced fracture of the glenoid, meaning that the piece of bone is popped off and is no longer attached to the rest of the glenoid. So x-rays likely confirming the concern that was there. So they did a CT scan and MRI to determine the status of also, and this is kind of like not doomsdaying this whole thing, but he does talk about the concern for the labrum and muscles and cartilage. He said, no amount of pain meds or cortisone injections will fix this. It requires surgery. There is a chance he dislocated the shoulder at some, uh, possibly the same time. This is again, some conjecture here. He's kind of talking about what normally could, you know, happens in these things and what could have happened here. He says that it's, it's possible at the same time he dislocated the shoulder, tearing the labrum, and causing the fracture. This is called a bony banker lesion. So you're getting way into the medical textbooks here, but that's, he says the integrity of the labrum is not known a chance that that was torn and requires surgery as well. And we also know the rotator cuff was already being something wrong in there. We are not here to say he tore the labrum. He's saying, this is the injury. This is the bone detachment. And here's what comes with it every now and again. And I think Andrew, there's some context inside of a response there about the seriousness of this injury, which again, we're talking about less than 1% of all fractures. And I do want to remind everybody, I did post where the injury happened. It was a second quarter, early second quarter scramble where he, he kind of steps up through the line of scrimmage on the right side and then tries to make Patrick Queen miss. Kyle Vanoy sandwiches him with Patrick Queen. I think the shoulder helmet of Patrick Queen gets into his right side it's pretty much the same type of hit that he took from the week before. If you guys recall the Cardinals game where he scrambled back to the middle of the field and took a pretty devastating hit on the right shoulder from a defensive lineman that he didn't need to take. 
But Andrew, add that context if you can, and then we'll go through and kind of talk about what we think of the future of this this uh, young, not really young quarterback anymore, but uh, you know, talk about his future. Yeah. So, so the other one is a, is a response to the Jesse Morse uh, tweet that you mentioned as a as a physical therapist who, you know, this is this is Twitter. So just you know, take all of this with a gigantic grain of salt, um, the size of a, I don't know, a block of salt. I've treated a major league baseball pitcher with this injury. Unfortunately, he never made it back on the roster. He lost motion, and as a result, velocity went from a hundred mile per hour fastball to eighty eight. This could be a career impacting injury for him. And then Morse, in a response to that, said, "Thankfully, the mechanics for football are a little different than baseball. My suspicion is uh, the the Bankert lesion, and they may have to repair his labrum." So, yeah, I mean, again, it's not this isn't like a confirmed diagnosis, but I, I, what I think it points to that's helpful in terms of context for everybody is that this is a very rare injury for a football player to sustain. And so the path back is not as clear. Like when Nick Chubb got hurt, we were worried that it was going to be more than a knee injury because of the way that it happened. Right. And then when you find out that it's typical ligament damage, it's almost a relief in a way, because that is a a well-worn path for these guys to get back. And be careful of an Adam Schefter tweet in like six weeks where he says, well, actually, Deshaun didn't really hurt his shoulder. There's optimism he could be back in six weeks, only to then a week later have somebody confirm that he tore the labrum as well, because that seems to be the path the insiders follow. They like to put out like a good news tweet. The same thing. What was the thing on Chubb? Like, they're actually thinking there might not be any ACL damage. Right. That was. Yeah, that was like they tried to sell that for a day and then it was. Oh, no, it's actually two surgeries. Yeah. I think that was Josephine Anderson on that one. For sure. The, the the context we're trying to add here is what the injury is. We're not trying to say this is what we think it is. We're not trying to doomsday it. But these are the surrounding elements that people in the you know sports medicine side of things are mentioning as a connective thing. So if this does come to pass and we hear about the surgery and then we hear that he also had to have the labrum repaired in the midst of that surgery. And boy, you're talking about the real trifecta between a sprain of the of the you know rotator cuff. You're talking about an, a, a potential labrum tear and this rare bone fracture. That's a lot, guys. So that shifts to our talk about the future. I've been pretty vocal about the need for Deshaun Watson to just freaking play football. Since 21, he's going to have started 11 of 51 possible regular season games. 11 of 51 over a three-year span. And, you know, I think Deshaun can be okay. And you could be like, well, backup quarterbacks come in and find some success. And we're not talking about that. We're talking about the expectations of what the Browns were supposed to be getting with Deshaun Watson. And now to see him, you know, I think you guys would agree with me. A large part of what we have talked about with him has been built around rust, knock the rust off, ramp up, get the speed of the game again, understand evolving coverages over the last three years that he maybe hasn't always seen, right? Being on the sideline, not playing. And all of that is set to the side again. And you're almost restarting that entire process in the midst of a third year and we'll see. They'll probably put the contract off another year because I don't know what else you do. Carrying a $62 million number next year doesn't seem very feasible for them. So you're probably talking about some way of manipulating the contract one more time. And from that, guys, you get to this poor, this this important question of, do you ever think he will realize the potential of the player we thought they were trading for when they made that deal? Because you know, Jordan, you're talking about the inability to fully get behind him. And I think a lot of Browns fans have rationalized some parts of that whole situation with the fact that, like, he's really damn good at playing quarterback and they're going to win a bunch of games and we can find a way to to get through it that way. And that's 
that while they're winning games, he's not the largest part of the reason they're doing that clearly and is now going to miss a bunch more time. Who knows if this shoulder is going to, to, to allow him to be the guy from a throwing perspective he used to be. And I just kind of want to put it in your guys court here about how you feel about his future, which is very open-ended. You could have full confidence. He's going to come back, which is a fine answer and be, be the guy he used to be. Uh, or I think there's another level where this is like, he's turning into a lotto ticket where he might be that guy again, but you can't sit here and say he will. And I think that both of those perspectives are fair. So I, I kind of want to get a feel for where you both are. Jordan, you can lead off this one. I think it's really hard to think that and assume that he's going to get back to being the Houston Texans Deshaun. I just think we're so far removed from that now. And we've talked a lot on this pod about how much time he's missed, as you just brought up. And, you know, I tweeted during that game um, in the first half against the Ravens that, like, you still didn't know from snap to snap what you were getting from Deshaun Watson, especially in that first half. He's making a good throw. He's missing a wide open Elijah Moore, you know, when Elijah Moore sits down in the zone and, and Deshaun throws it where he's not and there's not the communication. Um, when you miss so much time and you're in and out of the lineup, um, and especially with an injury like this, that's to the shoulder that you use to throw and you've had it hurt multiple times this season. Um, we saw how long it took him to come, but we saw what happens when he tried to come back too early against the Colts. Like we've just seen things, how difficult, it was to even just in season come back from something like this. Um, and now with major surgery and missing more time and just never really getting into any sort of rhythm. And the times, like, I think you finally saw him get into a rhythm were these times where like, okay, you know, that Titans game was what game three. So it took him three games to even start to like resemble the quarterback we thought he could be. And then he's hurt and then he's out and then he comes back and he can't do it. And then it takes him, you know, the full Arizona Cardinals game, a half of the Ravens game. And then finally it's like, okay, there's some, now he's been on the field enough. Like there's going to be such a ramp up period um, for him. And I just, where I, where I sit right now, I would say, I think he'll come back from this. Um, I think because he is talented in those other areas in terms of like his legs um, and I do think his ability to process, it is tied to reps and being out there, but I do think he's always been an elite processor. I think we all remember in Houston, he went viral a lot for those press conferences he used to give where he was breaking down coverages and what he saw at a really, really high level. Um, so I do think he, that doesn't go anywhere. Um, but, but the speed and the game reps and Jake, to your point, the coverages and how defenses are playing, like you just can't simply miss the amount of time that he is now has missed and is now going to miss and think he's just going to like come back next season from game one. It's going to be this process all over again. And I think that's, that's going to be the biggest thing is not only the strength of the shoulder and the types of throws he can make, but the ramp up period, man, like that's just, it doesn't get enough talk about because that's going to take more time. And so are you, are you ready to, wait six games where he hopefully doesn't get injured in those first six games of 2024, because that's like how long I feel like it's really even going to take him to start being like, okay, I know what I'm doing again. Um, so I, I, my prediction is, yeah, he comes back. I think, you know, he'll be, he'll struggle like he struggled this season. And 
you have to hope that he one stops taking these hits. Like he just ha- like he cannot continue to play this way. Um, he seems pretty stubborn about it, but it's like you just can't do it. <laughs> so that's got to be drilled into him. Um, and then he's just going to have to really be patient and work on the strength of his shoulder and work on just playing and going through game reps and getting that game speed because otherwise it's going to look a lot like I think the early parts of this season did. I think that that's the big thing for me is like watching it. He didn't change a single thing about how he played. And that is maddening. And, and like I had people get on me about it. That's just who he is. Hey man, you're 28. You're going to be, you're, you're going to be 30 before you know it. You can't keep taking hits from linebackers or defensive linemen that you are creating. You're going to take some natural hits as a quarterback, just by playing the way you have to play the game but you creating hits where you're running into linebackers or safeties at full speed when you have the actual ability as a quarterback to protect yourself by getting down and, and protecting yourself at all times, it's, it's unfathomable to me that people can be just dismissive of that and say that's okay. That is so not acceptable for a guy who has this much riding on his health. It's actually amazing to me that people are okay with that yep. because, again, like he's he's the one making those decisions to head on shoulder on linebackers and D linemen. And that is when you've already got to rotate. Like if this was just out of the blue, he had no other injuries. Okay. Kind of can get it, but you're protecting a rotator cuff injury that is obviously impacted you like crazy. And you're taking on, put the shoulder down Patrick queen, like a line. Like I just, that's the biggest concern, guys. Going forward, can his brain be rewired to not take hits that he has never been able to to just avoid by the easy natural means that quarterbacks have to avoid them, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the the question for the Browns is what do you do if he can't, right? Because if if I mean, imagine a scenario where he does return to a level, maybe not the the heights that he once reached, but you know, kind of what it seemed like the trajectory that he was on this season where he becomes a, an above-average NFL quarterback. And with the Browns surrounding talent, that's good enough for them to go pretty far. But he won't change the way that he plays. How do you manage that? You you almost have a responsibility at that point to have another quarterback ready to go who can play as, you know, nearly as well as he can because you, you you've got a quarterback that won't protect themselves. And I think, Jake, if it was going to happen, if it was going to change – it would have been while he was already carrying an injury to his throwing shoulder. 100%. Like there, there is no better time for him to have learned this lesson than the past few weeks. But you can flash back to Houston when he drove to Jacksonville because he couldn't fly because he was playing with a punctured lung. He has done this his entire career. And I don't think – I've not seen any uh, willingness from him at any point to entertain playing differently. And I don't think he's going to. So then the question becomes what does the team do differently? And I think that's when you're talking about his future with the organization, if the Browns don't take that into account and, you know, if they don't take it into account in the future, they are as liable as they are for not taking it into account a few weeks ago when the trade window was still open, because I'm not going to say that this team is making, you know, a Super Bowl run with Josh Dobbs or Jacoby Brissett. But I think if you, if you, Asked Andrew Barry, do you, you know, with, with some true serum, do you wish you had added a quarterback at the deadline? 
if you had known Watson was going to play two more two more games and then be done for the year, he would say yes, right? It seems obvious that he would say yes. So I what I'm saying is that I think going forward as Watson ages, regardless of what level he's able to reach, which I think is basically an unknowable question at this point, regardless of that level, he is going to need an insurance policy. You cannot say, well, yeah, we'll go with the rookie and and we'll just hope he's healthy for 17 games because I think the trajectory that he's on Watson probably will never be healthy for another 17-game season. When Jordan was talking, I'm sitting here doing the math, and I'm realizing we're, we're going to see Watson play fewer games this year than we did last year. It's actually a step backwards. He played six full games last year. This year we got five. Yeah, I, I mean, like I can't – you can't predict injuries, and we're not trying to do that here, obviously, but he has a body that has gone through it. Now the throwing shoulder, the ACLs he's dealt with – the lungs, ribs stuff, like there's just enough mounting data here that that tells you you can't just coast into like, you know, Chad Henney backup level stuff. Like you can't do that. They have to have a, like a meaningful backup for him in, in the in the immediate future, like like next year. Now, maybe DTR, we're going to talk about it coming out of the break, can be that guy. Uh, our certain evidence we've had so far this year isn't all too promising, but you know, it's not it's not fluky here with Watson. It's not an out of nowhere thing. He has dealt with injuries. He's missed entire seasons to injuries, or at least a, a large portion of an ACL. Right? What that happened, if I recall correctly, was in practice. So, like, I I'm just saying, like, it's not impossible, and we're not even saying that it is. Like, he could come back, get healthy, and be a really good quarterback again. That is certainly in the range of outcomes. But there's also now this negative outcome range that is growing growing and growing where he is just never going to be the guy that lives up to the player that we thought I, I i'm so sick of seeing the, the 230 million in tweets i just roll my eyes every time i see it but there is no denying the browns were expecting him to be a guy a real guy at the quarterback position i don't care about them the dollar figure number but they needed him to be a real guy and i just and i think that what this does is it puts that you know, what we thought was in an, an inevitability, it puts that into question in a severe way. Yeah. What, what, so here's a question for everybody. What would Deshaun Watson's contract be if he was a free agent this coming off season? What would, what would a team be willing to give him going into 24? Oh God, that's a great question, Andrew. I mean, I cannot see anything past a one-year deal. I really can't, you know, like, would it be a Mayfield number? Would it be an eight to 10 million number? I have to nod my head to say, you know, because he's coming off this injury right. too. Like, because Mayfield, right. you know, in in a sense, was coming off. I know that he had had that operation done before Carolina, but you know, it's like, you know, from the from the value they paid to what they could like move it for right now. If he was an actual, just the Browns cut him and he hit the market, and the Browns said, "Screw it, we'll pay every penny of it and deal with the cap." He's not getting much from anybody. He's he's not, and and I'm I'm like hard pressed to think otherwise what do you think jordan i think he's spot on i think he'd it'd be a prove it deal like we're at the point now where enough has passed and his play has been so all over the place that you would yeah you'd say yeah we'll bring you in we'll give you a chance in camp you know and then if you're our starter but it's a prove it deal and that to me is such a when you juxtapose that of what they thought they were getting when they gave you know, I know, I know we get annoyed, but like when you, when you pay that kind of money and you give up what you give up, like you are paying and 
getting a guy that you think is going to take it to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think that's like why you risk everything you risk, both from a, you know, public relations standpoint, which I hate framing it that way, but from a, like, we're bringing this guy in, regardless of what the fan base thinks, we're going to do it because we think we have a chance to, you know, get to these heights. And now you're at a, now you're at a place where, yeah, you basically, if a team, I think, you know, Andrew, that's such a great way to look at it is like, yeah, we'll give you 8 million in a one-year deal and see how it goes. And that is just such a, I just don't know if there's any way these two seasons could have gone worse from what the expectations were both inside the building and outside the building of why yeah. you go and get someone. I just don't know if they could be. Yeah. The, the crazy thing is that it actually would have been from a, if you're just being a, an absolute, uh, you know, results are the only thing that matter perspective. It would be better if he'd have gotten in legal trouble again because they could void the guarantees in his contract. Like the, this the injury stuff, the lack of clarity about his ability to play the game is the only way that you can be two years down the road with this and still not know what you have. And and the delta between the contract they handed him and what he would get on the open market is a, almost as big as it can get, right? Because he's, he's very close. He's probably one more injury away from not being able to get a guaranteed contract of any size. Yeah, because I was thinking about the Garoppolo deal because that kind of had some baked in. It was like a three-year, $72 million deal because it had a, a couple baked-in void situations for injuries and stuff like that, some non-guarantees. I think the total guarantee was 45. I think they moved the guarantee down because of the injury that he came in with. He failed the physical. Yeah, I mean, like, if he hadn't done this, if he was just dealing with the rotator cuff sprain all year, that's something I think you could you could possibly see. But, I mean you know, making an argument for the baggage that he brings with the play. It's hard to sit here and say now coming off of a season ending rare injury to his shoulder. I think that you kind of be lying to yourself. If you thought someone was giving him some sort of decent contract, even Garoppolo's deal. I mean, Garoppolo's tied to, you know, being a part of successful 49ers runs and right. And being a sort of perfect teammate, you know, all that, all that stuff. So I, it's a great question, Andrew, we're going to take a break, come back and then start kind of looking looking forward a little bit here to see a little bit of expectations, a little bit of uh, what we think of the quarterback situation now and uh, what could possibly be uh, things they could use to try to solve it this year, if at all. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and concerts near you. You can find them last minute with killer deals, and their best price guarantee helps you stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for all the fun you've had. So why would you go game time? They have flash deals, last-minute tickets. They're easy to find. Buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, specifically those Cleveland Browns. You get great images of the seats view, which is awesome when you're trying to figure out how the stadium is going to look when you're trying to find that right ticket for the right price. And they have that low price guarantee and event cancellation protection, job loss protection, all of the stuff to help you protect your money. Right, It's the fastest growing ticket app for a reason in the country. You get images of your seats, like I said, before you buy them. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and they're sent directly to your phone. All right, So you never have to go digging through your email to find something last second. It is always there. You can put them in your wallet app and make sure to have them up and ready to go. It's important to know you can download that GameTime app, which makes it extremely easy, very intuitive, very fast way to buy those tickets. Create an account and use the promo code OBR for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Again, create that account, redeem the code OBR for $20 off. You can do so at GameTime.co. It is not .com, it is GameTime.co, but I would suggest downloading that app, taking advantage of the $20 off coupon using the promo code OBR. Download GameTime today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, first question for you guys. We'll go to you first, Andrew. Is is starting Dorian Thompson-Robinson the right move? That's just a very pointed question. They announced it today. They're committed to the bit early here, so you tell us whether you think that's the right move or not. Yeah, I think it is. I, I mean, it's tough that it's Pittsburgh, but you don't really have like an easy game in the next few because you got to go on the road for the next two. You'd definitely rather start them at home. Uh, that's 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 a big thing, right? Um, so yeah, I think this is their you know their best bet, uh, and they need to know because I think w- when we got to the end of the PJ Walker experiment. Or, or you know, I shouldn't say experiment. That period of time where he was the starting quarterback, I, they, I, we, t- we said it at the time. They couldn't have benched him while he was on a winning streak. You beat the 49ers, you beat the Colts, you get to keep being the quarterback. They lose to the Seahawks the way they did, and then they were, they were. I, 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 well, I think Stefanski said they were going to start Walker. I wonder if Watson hadn't been available, if they would have gone to DTR for the Cardinals. I thought that was a great opportunity for him to get his feet wet in a very low stakes environment where it would be very hard to get outdueled by Clayton Toon. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, you hate that it's against the Steelers and the pass rush with the tackle issues, but that would be a problem for either Walker or Dorian Thompson-Robinson. DTR is obviously more mobile. So, yeah, I think this is a, is a good second opportunity. And I think, listen, you know, 
the NFL is about opportunities. Like he has an incredible opportunity to prove himself to be an NFL quarterback over the next however many weeks he gets. So I hope he seizes it. It, it would be really, really cool. And, you know, to, to Jordan's point that I think is really well said, for a certain segment of the Browns fan base would kind of create a little bit of cognitive dissonance or like a, a divided loyalty, right? Because the Browns, uh, Andrew Berry was very clear today about Deshaun Watson being their quarterback, you know, going forward. But if DTR, best case scenario, right, comes in and is like the 18th best quarterback in the league, there's going to be a lot of Brock Browns Birdian. fans. Right, exactly. If he can Brock yes, Birdian, exactly. Right? There's going to be a lot of Browns fans who are like, I want that guy. Yeah. Jordan, over to you. Yeah, I agree. I agree with a lot of what Andrew said. I think I, I, I wanted them. I wanted them to do this um, before Deshaun came back. I think. I think internally, the turnovers from PJ Walker probably drove everybody crazy. Like you just can't put the ball in harm's way when you have a defense of that caliber and you're just simply trying to take care of the ball on offense. And now, obviously, DTR had turnovers of his own against the Ravens, but I, I really think that that we've talked about this before is that game can just get totally thrown out of the window and you should see a much more prepared um, DTR this week. And, you know, being able to take reps with the ones like he did today and have a game plan installed for him rather than somebody else. I think all of that, you'll see a change. Now, I don't know if it'll lead to a win and I don't, you know, we have no idea what he's going to look like, but I think, Instead of going out there with a lot of factors against him, he'll have some stuff in his favor. He'll have Stefanski building a game plan for him. And I, I do think that's a really, really big deal. So I, you know, I think we know what PJ ceilings, PJ ceilings, PJ Walker's ceiling is. Maybe I'll just call him PJ ceiling because we know what it is. Um, I think you, you know, there is a little bit of, well, what could DTR be now that may not, you may, we may not get a great answer to that, but I think, you know, just because of, when PJ Walker was throwing every time he did a drop back, you were kind of like, Oh boy, but I hope this ball ends up in the hands of another Browns player. So I think like if Dorian can just take care of the ball, uh, which I'm sure they'll be drilling into him. I'm sure they're going to give him as many easy throws as possible. Like just take care of the ball and, and yeah, Brock Purdy it. And you know, if he can do that and get through, you know, this Steelers game and then, you know, you get the Broncos and you get the Rams. I mean, none of this is going to be easy, but I think you get through the Steelers game and you can, you know, kind of go from there. So I think it's the right move. I don't know what the results are going to be, but I know that I was, I'm good on the PJ Walker experience. And I I think um, Dorian will hopefully at least um, be able to create a little bit more if they do get behind or if they're down, you can hopefully do some things with him that PJ just could not do throwing the ball. Um, and, and I guess we'll find out, but I'm, but I'm on board with the move. I'm okay with just finding out in general, right? You know, this is, also that. you're not, yep. you know, who, you know, who PJ Walker is. That's not really going to change. I would prefer to find out with this young kid and, and be careful with him. Right. I know that there's been a popular thing about like, well, he didn't really practice the way he needed to practice for this, this Ravens game. Two things about that. He did practice all week and take first team reps, but there's also a, a level of care, to to the to the process they were using and a level of like you're an imposter for Deshaun you're filling you just do the things Deshaun would do for the first team to be ready you know these concepts these plays so that when Deshaun steps in it's seamless versus the right kind of taking care of that quarterback in practice to show him how you're going to do it to be very game plan oriented to be very specific in this coaching like I think that as as we get further away from that Ravens game 
we all start to understand how much they were just banking on Deshaun to play. Like there was just a genuine thought that he was going to play that game. So when you push away from it now and you think about, well, you know, Dorian got the first team reps that week. It's different in a sense where he was the fill in, not the guy. And that changes things a little bit when you talk about how they go about preparing him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I just wanted to quickly point out too, you know, he, he gave some comments to to Mary Kay a couple of weeks ago uh, before the Seahawks game. Cause I think Andrew, to your point too, like he, they thought maybe if Deshaun wasn't ready, they were probably going to start him then. And it was just really eye-opening comments about a, you know, a rookie who has never had to prepare to take, you know, the, the one reps in a regular, like in the practice week leading up to a regular season game. Like he just has never done that before. And I think even him just going through that experience, he said, it changed my perspective on like how I need to prepare, what I need to be doing, you know, game speed, all of that. I don't think like, as a rookie, you're just ready for any of that the first time you do it, especially not in that situation. And so I'm not, yeah, again, like there's not some blanket excuse like for him. I mean, he played really poorly and made some poor decisions, but I think, you know, Jake, to your point, having the coaching staff focus on you and what you can do and how they can protect you and make things easy for you, um, I think is way different than, yeah, it's, it's like, well, we installed all this stuff for Deshaun. Deshaun can't play. We have four hours until the game kicks off. So you're just going to do that is, is much different than, Hey, we're going to build a game plan around you. And I thought those comments he gave to Mary Kay were really eye opening about that. I, I would, I would second that. And I would just say that I think it's just psychologically different when you know, it's kind of your ship to drive, you know, or whatever, whatever the mixed metaphor is, right? Like um, he's the guy now. Right. And, and so much of the NFL is about either having that trust or not having that trust. And, you know, like when you, yeah, when you're kind of expected to fill in and practice and you're not expecting to play, it's not the same thing as when you know that the, the hopes of, you know, 52 other players on the team are riding on, you know, your performance. And so there's a, there's a level of, of seriousness to it that I think, you know, and then that makes me flash back to the preseason when Dorian Thompson Robinson earned this backup job and convinced the Browns that it was okay to let Josh Dobbs go because he played with a freedom and a confidence that felt like it belonged at the NFL level. So whatever the the process, whatever the alchemy is that he needs to go through to get that back, to show some of that, you know, I don't want it necessarily to, to show up in terms of like, you know, trying to hit whole shots against the Steelers defense. But if it can just be like making a little bit of a play, extending things with his legs and then getting out of bounds, I'm in for that. Like, I think, I think he needs to be a sort of, uh, he needs to be enabled in that way to say like, we need you because they, they do, they, you know, they don't need him to be a superhero, but they do need him to play like he's the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, not somebody who's keeping a seat warm. And I think that he went into that Ravens game trying to be Deshaun. Like, I really think he was trying to rip it. He was trying to make throws that he made in the preseason and he learned some valuable lessons about, things you can what you have you eventually have to test what you can and can't do at the NFL level like i think he got a a real like slap in the face about that sort of stuff so let's hope that to some of the points you guys just made the preparation change the focus on him the coaching alternatives the play calling alternatives really amp that stuff up and yeah the pittsburgh defense is good uh, especially in terms of turning the corners and the browns are still sort of battling how to fix that issue here a little bit but the secondary is nowhere near as talented as what he dealt with with Baltimore. The linebacker play, 
nowhere near what he dealt with with Baltimore either. So it's not like he played some terrible defense and was terrible. He played one of the best defenses next to the Browns own defense and, and dealt with that. And plus, you know, he got the game ball for scout team player of the week preparing as Lamar last week going against that really good first team Browns defense uh, consistently. So let's hope it all pays off. But I, I wasn't surprised to hear DTR starting. I thought it, it made plenty of logical sense. And I'm very curious how he responds to the opportunity and how the coaching staff, which we think have, have, have given the Browns a lot of opportunities to win ball games and done a great job with a lot of aspects can prepare the young man to, to, really just game manage their way to wins because the defense is that good. That amps up some things. So a couple more things on the you know topic here before we close. The veteran market, it's kind of being discussed. Andrew Berry mentioned bringing in a third quarterback today. Didn't really give us any idea of what avenue they were going to go for that. Obviously, as we know, this isn't like baseball where a guy can clear waivers and then be traded. You're, there's no trading. It's not going to happen. So it's just whether a guy can get out of his contract and be released or a current free agent, right? So Here's a, here's a list of best free agent quarterbacks I could find, guys. Get get prepared for some uh, five to ten years ago blast in the past. Joe Flacco, right? Yes. There we go. Cam Newton. Yes. Uh, sitting there. Colin Kaepernick. Yes. Colt McCoy. No. If he can pull himself away from YouTube. Oh, oh baby. <laughs> and and uh, Nick Foles. And then you got like Matt Ryan calling games on CBS, and you know you could do the Philip Rivers uh, fun stuff if you want to. Right? Why not? Right? You know all these YouTube quarterbacks that are popping up. Uh, of late so i would say the question is this do you you have you've heard those names they went into your ear right they're there uh but if there's a market veteran too like the question would be would you have been interested in carson wentz because he's a guy who recently went to another location or you know if say Tannehill is released andy dalton is released I'm not sure if I'm missing somebody here who could be released as well. You guys can chime in with a name, but are you interested in chasing somebody of relevance to step in and play here, have a chance to play, or are you in the full on, like they got to ride it out with PJ and DTR level of uh, complacency there, because that can kind of feel like where that goes. Now, again, DTR could prove us wrong and put together a pretty like run, like we're talking here, but that is always sort of feeling like a pretty big outlier. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'll let you guys chime in and say, let me know if anyone interests you. I'll go to you first, Andrew. I was, yeah, it's kind of joking, but kind of not joking when I was saying yes, after you listed off all those names, like, um, I, I mean, I, Philip Rivers is another name that has been bandied about. Obviously Tom Brady's name is out there. These, these are, uh, what's the word? Um, dreams, right? They're, they're not, uh, real options. It doesn't feel like, but the NFL is weird because sometimes a very strange thing will become reality in a way that you just didn't expect. And I think the Browns can make a pretty convincing case to any of the names that you listed that I listed, that they have a legitimate chance to play playoff football and who knows what happens from there. So is there a quarterback that's in a position mentally that they want to like come out of retirement and play for the Browns? It, it feels hard to have enough chutzpah to say that, right? Because that's a big ask. Um, so when I think about players that are on other rosters, the two names that I am interested in, I mean, obviously, we, you know, Tannehill, Jacoby Brissett, guys that could, that could potentially become available if the team decided to release them, but I don't think that's going to happen. Nick Mullins in Minnesota is coming off of the injured reserve and was in Cleveland, we all remember, in 21. 
with what happened with them and Dobbs, they have him plus the guy from BYU who's the backup right now. Or he got hurt too. Maybe he got concussed, right? So anyway, I just I wonder if maybe because Quasi and A B are close, if Nick Mullins could be released. That's one possibility. Of course, any of these players get released have to go through waivers. So there's also the possibility that somebody else, even in the Browns division, is like, nope, you don't get Nick Mullins. We're going to stash him on our roster. The other name that the Browns could sign that I think would be interesting is a practice squad player who they tried out last spring, and that's Nathan Rourke. Uh, He's on the Jaguars practice squad. The difference with Nathan Rourke is that he played in the CFL. And so he has started professional football games, not NFL games, but professional football games. And like I said, he's on the practice squad, so they can add him to the active roster whenever they want. Um, that's a name that I would be interested in, in so far as he's got a little bit of real world experience that could lead you to believe that he could do, you know, a, a passable job. But it has to be somebody like that that has done it in the NFL, like on a team or, you know, in Rourke's case in the CFL. It has to be somebody like that. It can't be, there, to me, there is no upside in adding another rookie to the practice squad. Practice squad quarterbacks, I just want to fly through this. Malik Cunningham, Bailey Zappi, Tim Boyle with the Jets, Anthony Brown with the Ravens, Will Greer, who actually had a nice little run of preseason ball. He's with the Bengals. Uh, practice squad quarterbacks, let me make sure I'm kind of flying through rosters quickly. Um, Nathan Rourke, like you said, with the Jaguars. Most teams, I'm not surprised, are not carrying many guys. Ben Gucci Danucci uh, is with... The Denver Broncos. He was yeah, here for Chris, a minute, wasn't oh, he? At some point, I, mean, I feel most like he of was. These guys probably. Chris Alotikin, uh with the Chiefs. Oh yeah, he's fun. He's fun. Max Dugan, a former TCU uh, quarterback with the Chargers. You have Tommy DeVito is currently elevated up to the Giants. Actually, starting again. Poor guy. Uh, Jake Fromm, who has been around Cleveland in various different uh, occasions. I think he was actually an arm for training camp or rookie camp this year. Um, uh, David Blau, another former connected to the Browns name, is with the Lions practice squad. As far as this is updated, guys, so I, I'm hoping it's not too far off. It is on the NFL's official page here. Uh, Alex uh, McHugh, uh, okay, with the Packers. Uh, it currently does not list, like you said, Andrew, because they moved uh, moved him off of IR. The Vikings don't have one. And then wrapping up the NFC South, uh, only John Wolford is in the NFC South. With the Buccaneers, Jeff Driscoll is with the Cardinals. Brett Ripien is with the Rams. And then the Seahawks have Holton Ehlers. I think he's a former East Carolina quarterback, if I recall correctly. That's your list of practice squad, guys. So there you go. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add to this topic, Jordan, about guys that would interest you, but I will let you have the uh, stage to talk about it. I the only person I think that would actually move the needle for me would be the caliber of a Ryan Tannehill. I just I don't think it's worth all of so many of those names. Even Nick Mullins is just like I I mean what what percentage more I, unless DTR comes out against the Steelers and looks so completely overwhelmed that you're just like this dude's not going to be able to do it this year, then, then maybe it's different. And then I would feel like, okay, let's just get a vet in here that can just, (laughs) that at least has run an NFL offense and knows a little bit what they're doing. But like, I think barring, yeah, DTR looking like he doesn't belong in the NFL next week. um, I just, 
you know, people have brought up, yeah, I mean, Dalton and Tannehill, who knows if they're even going to get released. Even Andy Dalton, I'm just like, oh, do we have to? You know, like, it's like that type of thing. But I think, I think it, it, for me, even if, you know, if they lose next week, but DTR is fine, or, you know, he's not catastrophic, he doesn't throw three interceptions again. um, I just don't think it's worth sort of, the, the carousel, the it's another new quarterback this week. It's, you know, I think that just this locker room has been already through sort of this ringer all season, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like who's going to start a quarterback for them on a week to week basis. And I just don't know if adding more names to that makes sense. Uh, if you can get average to slightly below average play from DTR. So I, I think unless Tannehill right now got cut then i mean i yeah absolutely i'd I'd go for him in a heartbeat but outside of that barring a uh, catastrophic performance i i I think you just got to ride with this qb room yeah i I just i think that's a great point that you make jordan about the team and what they've been through because i think it is necessary for the browns to have some sense on a week-to-week basis of who their quarterback is going to be um it's it's part of what makes this more doable for them to like show up and play hard and all that stuff uh, it's very hard when you don't know who the quarterback is going to be. So, yeah, if DTR can be anything, he's the guy, right? Like, that is that is absolutely – the bar is very low for him. <laughs> Let's say that. Um, it, and and so if not, if it, like you said, if the Steelers game is an unmitigated disaster, maybe they both play and it's just, you know, nobody can even see the end of it, then I think they have to be very quick to go out and find somebody else next week because I don't think you can let this stuff drag on and you don't want to introduce any uncertainty. So, and I think that Stefanski understands that. He's not been a quarterback flip-flop guy his entire coaching career. He's kind of been a guy where he picks a guy and he sticks with him. That's what they have to do. Hopefully it's DTR. It, the best case scenario for the Browns is that DTR can be something. Right on. Okay, so we close with this. Obviously, expectations have changed today for where this all goes. You know, a lot of you know, secondary tier love for these guys. I mean, we, we've kind of been hard on the national perspective uh, about some things, but there were people, plenty of them putting them in the tier below the most respected top tier, which is your chiefs and your Eagles. And uh, some people had the Ravens. Some people didn't. Some people have had, you know, uh, some other different various teams pop in and out of that, but they're in that second tier pretty respectfully. Now it's like, it changes everything in a way that we all understand. You really don't have any sort of expectation. They can make a real run in the playoffs. But what I'm asking you guys is like, how do the, like in what way do your expectations change? Are you okay with seeing a playoff, you know, making the playoffs an okay outcome for the year for you? Are you so disappointed by this situation today and, and, and like taking another year away from these guys being a real Super Bowl contender that you just, you don't care all too much because you really feel like you've lost that ultimate prize that they're chasing. I'm kind of curious what you think, Jordan, you go ahead. I think it's a great question. I've been thinking about it a lot, you know, since this morning, I part of me remains optimistic and positive about this season because honestly, and we know this as well as anyone, they have won most of these games, maybe outside of the Cardinals game. Um, without their offense performing well at all, um, even with Deshaun playing. Now, you know, the second half of the Ravens game where he was 14 for 14 was great, but, I mean, they were catastrophic in that first half. And then you get a drop punt, 
And like all of these things that should lose you football games have happened to the Browns many times this season. And they have somehow uh, gotten through many of them. We talked about this after the Colts game, talked about it after the 49ers missed a field. Like they have just done things with this team without getting average quarterback play with their offense, sometimes basically not functional, like cannot do anything. And they've still won football games. Do I expect them to like go to the Super Bowl anymore? No, like being realistic with myself. No, I, you have to have, um, you know, unless, yeah, unless DTR is the second coming of what Deshaun was, um, you know, but I, I mean, this is for selfish reasons because I am going to be in attendance at that Rams game in three weeks, but I'm like, they can beat the Steelers at home. They can beat the Broncos who everybody's like, Oh, look at the Broncos. Everybody. I just relax. I think the Broncos are still bad. Um, So I'm just, this can all change. I may come on here next week after the Browns lost 40 to nothing and be like, I've made a mistake and they are going to lose the next seven games in a row. But right now with how they're playing on defense all year, they've leaned on that defense. They're going to keep leaning on them. And like, yeah, if you can just get this baseline performance from DTR or whoever they bring in, if DTR can't do it, I still think making playoffs should be the goal and is realistic. And then you just sort of, and then you play with house money and that part sucks because we kind of already did that with Baker when they got to the playoffs and they had this unreal beat down of the Steelers and they went toe to toe with the Chiefs. And you're kind of like, that was cool. I didn't expect anything. And then the expectations hit and it goes the other way. I would have loved to have gotten to the playoffs this year and had expectations of like AFC championship or bust. Um, but that's not going to be the case anymore. And that part does suck. And I think like if they do get to the playoffs, you're going to feel a lot of joy, but there's going to be some bitterness of like, man, you know, if they lost in, you know, the wild card round or whatever it is, um, that would, that might be tough, but my expectations, I still feel optimistic that like they, they're going to get to the playoffs and then you just, you let the defense do your thing and you hope that the defense can get you a win or two in the playoffs. And and that's kind of where I'm at. Um, but I, I do think the not being able to have expectations in the playoffs now, like I wanted expectations. Would it have hurt more if they lost early? Sure. But like we never, you know, like we as Browns fans have not had that opportunity almost ever playoff wise since 99. So I wanted those and we're not going to have them. And that part's tough. Yeah. I think that's a really fair way of putting it, Jordan. Um, I, at the, I, I, there are other examples in the NFL of teams losing their starting quarterback and going on to make the playoffs. You know, as you rightly say, it doesn't usually go much further than a playoff appearance because typically most other teams in the playoffs are kind of loaded for bear at that point. And so you get there and you make a graceful exit, maybe sometimes not so graceful and you start looking forward to next year. Um, I still think playoffs are the expectation, especially considering the way that they've set the foundation over the the past nine weeks. Six and three is a is a playoff record. They they've done a lot of the hard work already. You know, we 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 feel pretty confident at this point that ten and seven gets it done in the AFC. That's a five hundred record from here on out. Can they be five hundred with DTR, PJ Walker, my guy Nathan Rourke? Yes, they can. They absolutely can. So, uh, that's the expectation. And uh, you know, it's worth mentioning here. Like we were probably over confident after what they just did in Baltimore because that's how the NFL works you you have an unbelievable win like that and you celebrate it by getting chesty for a few days and talking about trophies right 
And probably today, after the Watson news, people are going too far the other direction and saying the season's over and who cares. I, I think, as always, the truth lies somewhere in between. The, the Browns have proven that they're a very resilient team and a team that does not rely, as Jordan rightly said, on the quarterback to win. So the the path to where they want to go is still, for the most part, open. It's It's the upside that gets curtailed. But even then, listen... There are crazier things that have happened in the NFL than a fifth-round quarterback who played for like 17 seasons at UCLA being good enough for them to win a playoff game. Like it's, It is absolutely yeah. within the realm of possibility that he's just a good quarterback. That has happened in the NFL. I mean, we've already invoked the name of Brock Purdy on this podcast. You do not need to look too far to find an example of this happening, and that was a lot more unlikely because, I mean, that dude at Iowa State was rough stuff. So... um yeah, I, I mean, I, I am not throwing in the towel here. I am not as devastated as I was this morning, and I am very much still vi- locked in to the Browns beating the shit out of the Steelers on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I think we want to tell ourselves not having a chance at the Super Bowl makes none of this worthwhile, and I and I get that, but we haven't, as a fan base, had enough moments of winning a playoff game like 2020 that if that does come to pass and it comes to fruition in some way, or you know, God forbid they get a home playoff game somehow, you will feel satisfied. Like you will feel satisfied as what I'll say. You you won't, you know, get to the Super Bowl the way you hoped and they still have to figure out how to do that and solve quarterback. And again, maybe the part of that whole solution starts to become a, a bit clearer uh, as we get closer to the playoffs or something like that. But like, I'm not ready to throw the season away. Just like the players aren't just like you guys are saying, this isn't, this isn't it, right? You've got a chance to, to see what can happen with who's in house anything could shake loose from rosters across the league and you could find an answer and you never know defense is good enough. You start running it well enough. You never know. So I, I think again, if it came to be in the Browns had a playoff game, whether on the road or at home and they want it, you would still feel a level of fulfillment because 2020 is not as recently as you think it is. And you forget what it's like to play in those playoff games and have your team come out on top. And it's, it's a really cool thing. And, it could springboard you into another off season and, and hopefully a get right season next year. And you can see where this can be built. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's disappointing. It hurts to go from like, like, Oh my God, they're having real discussions about this team being good enough to win games like the biggest stages, but there's still a level of fulfillment you should be able to find from this Brown season. And I, and I think that you can appreciate a lot of the players that are not Deshaun Watson in the, in the serious, like, let me say this before we close, and I'll, I'll throw it to you, Jordan, and you can wrap it up. If they do what we're talking about here, Andrew, which is if they do go to the playoffs and win four more games, right, they go 500 the rest of the way, you start to see an amped-up level of respect for two very important people that we all cherish, Kevin for Coach of the Year and and, and Miles Garrett for not just Defensive Player of the Year, but but maybe even getting some votes as like an MVP guy if he dominates to close out the year. So you know, those are two little small anecdotes of like what the fallout of this is where people are like, oh, okay, they really didn't have stability at quarterback throughout the whole season, yet they were able to somehow find their way to nine and eight or 10 and seven or God forbid, 11 and six. So like there's, there's just a real chance for some, some, some nice things to also come about because of this uh, really unfortunate situation. I think that's really well said, Jake. And I just wanted to, yeah, you mentioned Kevin and I just wanted to say that that he gives me confidence because really aside from that 2020 season, um, he has not had 
whether it's stability at the quarterback position or just consistency at the quarterback position. Like we've been, he's been through this. He had Baker playing with a harness. He had Jacoby Brissett for, you know, a little over half a season and then had to flip to Deshaun. Like he's, if there is a system and a offensive coach that I would feel comfortable enough with that he can guide an offense with a quarterback like this to respectability. Now he may have met his match in PJ Walker, um, who he uh, couldn't quite get to uh, <laughs> maybe get to the line that we, that we wanted, yeah. you know, like what he did for Jacoby Brissett, who was a better, Jacoby's a better quarterback, obviously, but you know, I just think that his tenure in Cleveland has been filled already with, adversity in terms of the quarterback position. I mean, I think the the Baker years were went from really good to not great pretty quickly. And we've already dealt with that. And he still was able to sort of elevate an offense that probably should not have operated at the level it was because of the quarterback play they were getting um, similar to what he did with Jacoby Brissett. So I'm hopeful that with, you know, time to plan now for DTR, you can see some of those things where he can hopefully just make the game as, as easy as he can for DTR. And then you just have to hope DTR can kind of take the keys and go. But I do think that this is where, you know, you talk about coach of the year and, you know, if they're able to sort of get to the playoffs with a respectable offense moving forward, I just think, you know, it's just more, more sort of flowers at the feet there for, you know, as people know, I, I have always been a Kevin supporter. I think he's a great coach and I offensively, especially, and I think this will be another chance to sort of prove it, even though the circumstances are less than ideal. And you'd like to not have this be a way a coach sort of shows his mettle, but you know, this is how it happens more times than not in the NFL, because you, you look around the league and see how many starting quarterbacks have already been hurt this year and how many bad quarterbacks there are currently playing in this league. And like, it's just, it comes with the job description now. So that's just kind of the last thing I wanted to say on Kevin. Yeah, and I think it, you know, to to the the other half of that is that his contract is up at the end of next season. So, you know, we've talked about it a little bit when um when trying to evaluate this season, it's very hard because the whole the whole thing you wanted to see this year was the mesh between the head coach and the quarterback. And the quarterback's not going to play again. So, now the challenge for Kevin is very obviously what Jordan just what talked about so uh, eloquently that they there's you know they have to r- rally together and stay together as a team despite an immense amount of adversity they've already done it through the first half of the season there's no reason to expect that they're going to fall apart but i will say that if they did that would be useful information when trying to evaluate the head coach and his you know what his long-term future in cleveland i think as jake alluded to at the very beginning of this podcast one of the things we thought about when the browns kind of let us know there was going to be news was that they were going to extend either one or both of their main decision makers. Obviously it went very differently. That decision is still in front of them. And I think, you know, you, you have to use the the games that these teams are given to evaluate every piece of the roster and the front office and the coaching staff. So now the way that Kevin Stefanski gets evaluated is how does he develop a young quarterback that's thrust into a very uncomfortable situation for a young quarterback to be thrust into? And how does the team stay together? I have, every expectation that the quarterback and the team will meet or exceed our expectations, but you never know. And so you got to see it. Listen, this is a really great conversation around a really difficult topic. We talked about how, you know, there's a lot still riding on what the actual injury turns into for Deshaun, what his future looks like. And then, uh, you know, at the end here kind of took it in a direction of what good can come out of the bad. And I think there's plenty of good to still care about as a Browns fan, even though you feel, cheated, slighted, disappointed, 
to not be able to be in the in the most significant NFL conversations. They are still very realistically with the schedule at play chasing a division title here. And today's not a day that Mark's giving up on that. I think there's still a level of ability to get that sort of thing done and then still be fighting for a playoff spot, even if they can't get the highest goal done. So maybe you go from winning a Super Bowl is the highest goal to now to winning the AFC North. And if that's the highest goal, it's still attainable and you work from there. And I still think there's plenty of silver linings, if not even calling them silver linings, but achievements that can be had in this season, despite some really crazy, significant odds. So we're going to put a bow tie on this thing. I appreciate Jordan and Andrew for coming by, uh, you know, obviously providing some stellar insights, I think that make this podcast pretty damn unique. So uh, as to you guys for stopping by, you know, we always appreciate that. We had a mailbag yesterday. Go check out that one. If you want to just remind yourself of what just a truly positive podcast sounds like that's sitting out there for you. If you want to listen to it, we'll have a Steelers guest on tomorrow. I think I'm going to steal some time from John Colosimo. So that'll be up for your uh, Friday consumption. And then we'll get into the weekend where Andrew and I pick games and do all that fun stuff as well. So on the way out the door, I thank Jordan and Andrew once again for their time and you guys for being here and go Browns.